You're listening to Radio Influence. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Hello, friends, and welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, joined, as always, by my co-host, Justin Watson, and also Greg Hopkins on the line with us this evening. Shortly, we will be joined by the voice of Valor, Jeff Hobbs, as we prepare to recap and review the event that was this past Friday night at the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. It was Valor 78 crowned four champions uh on this e on this evening it was a it was a lot of fun one of the more fun events we've had and we're gonna go through every fight recap and get reactions from our panel as well as find out how our picks panel did um on their uh on their guesses last week uh but before we get into that let's uh kick out some uh, ufc talk folks of course uh we had the uh the return of the ufc to las vegas at the apex center and it was uh ufc fight night uh it was an espn card headlined by heavyweights Alistair Overeem, Alexander Volkov, uh, Justin. Uh, I'll let you uh, break this one down for us. It was uh, it was Alexander Volkov getting the win. I was on Overeem on this one, and he really didn't look very good out there at all. I, it didn't take me long to realize that I was certainly on the wrong side. Yeah, this one didn't play out the way I expected it to. You know, I kind of thought that Alistair's um, experience would would help him a lot more in this fight. I think he got tagged in the nose, got his nose broken early in the first round, and he turned his back to Volkov multiple times. Uh, he just didn't look good in there, didn't look like he wanted to be in there. And um, at the finish of the fight, you know, it was obvious uh, that it was time to stop the fight. You know, he wasn't out cold, obviously, but the referee, I think, did a good job stepping in and stopping it when he did. Um, I think I underestimated Volkov's probably and underestimated his power a little bit, but I think more than anything, it was just the, the accuracy of his striking. You know, I still don't think he's a superpower puncher, but, uh, you know, those straight shots, hitting you right on the button over time. They're just going to wear you down. And Alistair didn't wear, wear it very well. Greg, uh, this is one of those fights where, uh, you know, you see it a lot. You know, guys just kind of shell up there. Uh, their striking defense kind of – their defense pretty much is to just shell up and eat those shots. You can't do that with heavyweights. It lasts very long. Uh, not not when the guy's, like, super lanky and able to reach you, you know, at, at any point. Um uh, yeah, I was I was on Volkov on this one just because of the what, exactly what Justin said, just the pinpoint accuracy of the strike. He's quick, and like you said, Alistair is the type of guy who's going to ball up and just try to throw heavy at you, but you're not going to be able to reach it, Volkov. Uh, uh, I mean, I had Volkov by, by knockout. I didn't know what round, but the odds were great online for that. So, you know, I was happy with Volkov there. You guys think that that will be the end of the road for Overeem? You know, he was making that one last uh, run towards the title. Didn't look very good out here. It's highly unlikely he gets back in the title picture. It doesn't seem like he's planning on walking away yet. It seems like he still wants to fight. Um, just kind of reading some stuff that he wrote afterwards. But uh, obviously, I don't think he'll be making a run for the title. Maybe just a couple fun fights um, to get paid a couple more times and then, then ride out. Co-main event. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, yeah. Your take on that? Well, I, I, I don't want to cut to it, but I mean, like, you know, and for just go, let's go with co-main event. It feeds off of that exactly. It does. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll let you handle the co-main then. Uh, Corey Hans, uh, Corey Sanhagen, a big favorite, four to one. I think the books really wanted you 
to to bite on Frankie Edgar at that plus three hundred. I know it was several people that did. It's, it was certainly tempting, but uh, this one didn't last long. Yeah, man, Frankie Edgar. If you go back and look on the books, he had a. If you go back and look, if he was able to finish in any round at all, the books were just like handing money over fist right there. It, it was crazy. So I had Frankie by submission and or KO in every round, and uh, and I would have just been better off taking just the fight, not going the distance. But like same thing with Alistair Overeem, and Justin was talking about putting Alistair Overeem in some fun fights. I don't know what fun fights we're going to look for for Overeem because we were talking about his jaw last week and how it's glass, and if he does get tapped, he's hit. Frank Yeager got hit, you know, one time with that knee and went down. And I kind of see Alistair Overeem. They've both been around, you know, a long, long, long time. And, uh, and you know, in the next one, Clay Guida, too, those, all, Michael Johnson, all those guys have been around a long time. But uh, I think the new age has come in, and it's just um, it's hard to keep up with these, uh, with these guys that are so just well-rounded. No doubt. Running down the rest of this card, then I'll go to uh, each of you all for your final takeaways uh, from this card, what you kind of came away with uh, as far as, uh, you know, did you did you learn anything? Is there somebody that uh, that kind of proved something to you that you were on the fence if you were sold on them and now you are, or maybe you're on the fence and now you ain't? Uh, of course, feature about Clay Guida gets unanimous decision win over Michael Johnson, Alexander Pantoja decision over Manel Cap. Uh, Benil Darush in a real fun fight, split decision over uh, CDF, uh, Carlos Diego Fajaya, Benio Marquez with a submission over Mike Rodriguez, Devontae Smith with a doctor stoppage over Justin Janes, Carol Rosa decisions, uh, Jocelyn Edwards, Laura Procopio decisions, Molly McCann, lots of decisions here, guys. Sung Wu Choi decision over Yusef Salal, Timur Valiev decision over Martin Day, and then opening the fight guard, we had a knockout as uh, Odie Osborne with a real pretty knockout of Jerome Rivera. Uh, my, I'll go first here. My my takeaways from this one are twofold, and they're both kind of bad. Uh, one, Michael Johnson won't burn me again. I, I, I felt like this was Michael Johnson's fight to lose all week. I kind of heard, you know, hey, man, if, in, if anybody can figure out a way to, to throw this his advantages away here. Michael Johnson's the guy and uh, man, he just never, I mean, he was getting lit up in all aspects of the fight. Guida, I never would have guessed would have just touched him up like that on the feet. He's, he's done. He's, he's burnt. And then uh, the other one, man, Mike Rodriguez, a pretty heavy favorite here over Danilo Marquez. I, I, I should know better afterward than to, to put so much stock and a guy like Mike Rodriguez, whose fight IQ is less than stellar. That's my two takeaways from this. Hopefully I can learn not to uh, go back after those fighters. When You know, guys like of that ilk that are such heavy favorites, it's it's really hard to, like, keep parlays around guys like that because they will, they will uh, you know, they'll, they'll stick it to you real quick. Uh, Justin. <laughs> For one, man, Corey Sandhagen's a monster. Kid came off of a you know pretty quick loss to Alice or uh, Aljamain Sterling and then came back spinning wheel kick knockout over Marlon Marais and then flying knee uh, knockout over Frankie in this fight. You know some guys take take a big loss like that once they get to the top and you never see them really rise from it. But this kid has turned it around you know as as beautifully as you possibly could um, and he's a problem in this division for sure. Uh, I thought there was a couple of, of really good performances. Uh, Chung Wu, uh, or Choi Wu, whatever his name is, I thought that was a, a really solid showcase from him. Yusuf Zalal is a top prospect, and I think Wu, Wu was able to, to ride him down pretty easily. Um, and I think Himar Valiev is, is probably a little too overrated taking Martin Day to a decision like that. I think he should have been able to get him out of there, um, especially the odds as highly in his favor as they were. 
Um, you know, he, he should have been able to get a, get a finish in that fight, but um, I think he'll struggle against some of the topper, you know, top uh, featherweights out there. Greg, anyone impress? Anyone depress? Uh only one I'm going to stick with is like these old these old school cats right here, the ones that have been there for a long time, Alistair Overeem and Frankie Edgar and then Clay Guida and Michael Johnson. Yeah, same. I'm going to double what you said about not putting any of my stock into Michael Johnson anymore. Uh, I picked Clay Guida for the fight, but the only reason I picked him is because Justin pointed out to me, you know, Friday before the Valor fights, he goes, well, yeah, I can see all of Michael, uh, Michael Johnson's advantages, but what happens if Clay Guida is able to take him down? Like, what's going to happen? And that made me change my whole vote, like my whole vote to Clay Guida right there. I was like, I even think about that. Just so if you can get, if you get one of these old, old cats, all these old school guys in here that are able to stick to the game plan and they're fighting an old school cat, I'm going to go with that kid. But if that guy, the old school that's sticking with the game plan, but if you're not going to stick to the game plan, which I don't know what Frankie or Alistair's game plan was, uh, I'm going to fade them. These old, these old guys, these older guys, I'm going to fade them when they're fighting this new blood. Even though he wasn't going in there and getting the takedowns, the pressure is still what won Guida the fight. You know, it was yeah, the age control was crazy. Yeah, the pressure was was keeping he was he was too close to Michael Johnson for Michael Johnson to land anything, um, and that's why that's why he had the advantage in the striking at a at a normal striking uh, distance. I think Michael should win every time, but like Guida just that weird pressure, like an amateur fighter running at you, swinging. You know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, that was uh, Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. Uh, wraps it up for that one, and we're into a big one this weekend, guys. We've got the uh, the UFC 258, another pay per view offering uh, going down this Saturday night. It's in Vegas again, and uh, we're gonna run through that card here, see what uh, what everybody likes uh, on this one. It's uh, had some changes here at the last minute, of course. Originally, main main card was supposed to have Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera, and I guess it was Rivera that had uh, I don't know if it was COVID or something, uh, some sort of medical situation. I guess it could have been COVID, uh, but uh, that fight's off, and now we've got a new main card fight. So uh, the main event, of course, welterweight championship on the line: Kamaru Usman, Gilbert Burns. This fight was supposed to happen back in July. Uh, on Fight Island, and Gilbert Burns had COVID, so you know there's a lot of a lot of heat behind Gilbert Burns going into this fight. A lot of hype behind him, and I think kind of the main question for me is: uh, is he able to kind of take this long? You know, he was so hot coming in when they were supposed to fight in July. Has this layoff with the COVID and the putting this thing off for seven months, eight months now at this point? Uh, you know, has he still got that? Uh, you know, is that is that heat still there? Is uh, you know, is, or has that time off affected him at all? The books have Kamaru Usman a fairly heavy favorite. Looks like in the realm of about two eighty ish across the board with uh, Burns coming back um, at about plus two twenty, plus two twenty five. I feel like there's value here that people see value in Burns. Uh, but, man, I'm not going to – I can't fade Usman yet. I just Until I see somebody put it on him, I just I just can't. I don't know that Burns' takedown defense is really all there after seeing him being taken down, uh, you know, easily uh, by, by lesser wrestlers. That's for sure. Usman's uh, – and Usman's not been taken down by anyone. So if Burns can't get Usman down, we get it, you know, and he has to, he obviously has the power, I think, to to put Usman to sleep. But I think more times than not, Usman's going to grind a decision here, actually. And you can get uh, Usman a pl- by decision by a plus 130. Not the sexiest play by any means, but in my opinion, the most likely. Uh, Greg? Uh, well, like you said, Gilbert Burns has been on a tear. That seven-month streak of waiting 
or longer is just uh, it's pretty dreadful, man. It sucks because you think you're about to fight, then you pop for a COVID test, and now you got to wait. You know, I'm with you on that, man, and uh, I, I can't wait to hear. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Justin's side on this right here, but uh, I, I can't go against uh, Usman right now neither. I mean, Gilbert probably is going to try to take him down. Or I'm sorry, either either one of them are going to welcome a takedown. I'm sure Kamara's going to want to stand, but Gilbert's got that power. Uh, I, I'm I'm going to go with Usman though. Um, I I probably I don't know. I don't think this goes to decision. I don't know if Gilbert Burns' gas tank will last for five rounds like that against the likes of Usman. So I may be getting Usman by stoppage here at some point in time. So like Usman by stoppage, I like Usman by decision. Now, you, uh, you can get Usman by stoppage at a better price uh, than mine, though. I think, uh, let's see here, Usman um, inside the distance is uh, is plus two, around plus two. I see it as high as plus 260 and as low as plus 200. That's a pretty wide gap. But uh, pretty nice payoff if you think Usman can get him out of there. Uh, Justin, your take. Yes, I think Usman's finished like uh, two out of nine fights. or so He's gone to decision like seven out of his last nine fights. To, to to bank on, and one of those was against uh, Colby, who you know that was over four. I think the over is at four and a half on this. That was over four and a half. So only one time has he been has he finished a fight under, you know what would what would be considered an under here. I think that it would be a lot of stock to lay on him there. I think the biggest thing in this fight, I agree with both of you guys that I think that the odds were actually closer when they were supposed to fight the first time. Um, I think it you're seemed right. like. Yeah, I, I may be wrong, but it seems like that. But, you know, it's it's not very often that you see guys from the same camp uh, that are going to fight and the champion is the one that leaves. And when that happens, a lot of times it's the contender. Um, I think that the reason that Usman left is because he knew that he had some holes that he had to fix if he was going to be able to, to to sustain a fight and, and beat Gilbert Burns. I think that they've been in the room together so many times. You know, those guys know who's going to win the fight. Those guys are, are pretty sure, but but Burns going um, and leaving and going to Col- or Usman going to Colorado, you know, changes that up a little bit. I think that Usman's going to be able to take him down at will, but Burns is so active off of his back, and I don't think that 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 Usman's going to be able to defend the uh, relentless attack if he does get on top of Burns. So I, I like Burns by submission in this fight. Burns by submission from uh, from Justin here. Co-main event is a female flyweight bout, and it is Macy Barber returning. Uh, I think it's been a minute since we've seen her fight last. She had the injury against Roxanne Monteferi, uh, I think, last time out, if I'm not mistaken. That's her only loss. But she's making her return from that injury uh, to take on Alexa Grasso, 12-3. Flyweight bout essentially, uh, you know, Grasso is a slight favorite around minus one twenty-five. Uh, Justin, yeah, so this is kind of a weird one, you know. Grasso, I think her record in the UFC is like three and four. She's coming off of a win in this in her only fight in this weight class. Macy Barber in that last fight, she was a, a, a minus eight hundred favorite uh, against Roxanne. So just to see her now at plus money, it's you know pretty hard not to jump on that, um, even though it's, it's, she's a very slight underdog. Um, I think that this is a fight that, that the UFC is trying to give her. I think that she's going to be able to to pressure Grosso and get her to the ground and, and dominate her there. I believe um, that's where Grosso has has had most of her problems. She's I think going to be the better striker, um, but Basie Barber is, you know, still has that. She she doesn't have um, very crisp striking. You know, she she still kind of does run run forward and just throw punches and and she can land a shot that'll put you to sleep because she doesn't really know what she's doing. Uh, but I like Macy Barber in this fight as an underdog. 
feature bout uh, middleweights. These guys are some bangers. They're going to be throwing. Uh, we got Julian Marquez, seven and two, taking on the the coconut bombs, Mackie Patolo. Uh, it is uh, the favorite is Julian Marquez here about minus one seventy. Maki Patolo coming back at about plus one forty. Greg, uh, yeah, right here, Maki Patolo, coconut bombs, man. I, I enjoy this fighter. I like watching him go out there. He goes for broke every time, and he's one of those killer be killed guys. But speaking of uh, killer be killed with Julian Marquez, man, this guy hasn't fought, you know, in what two, three years now. It's been it's been a little while since his fight. He's been off the shelf, and we we saw Conor McGregor who hadn't you know fought in a long time either, and he said it himself. You have to be active in this sport if you want to succeed. But I don't know if the ring rust will be a uh, be enough for Marquez because like the last time that Patolo fought, um, they started to slow down significantly in the end of the fight. I don't know if Marquez if his uh, if his gas tank will be up to par, but I think that um, Patolo is probably on his way out of the UFC. So I'm going to have to go with Marquez here. All right, Greg goes with the favorite Marquez uh, in that fight. You know, I agree with you. It's been about two and a half years since we've seen uh, Marquez, so it'd be interesting to see uh, if he's been improving there. He's uh, He was supposed to fight in November um, of last year, but that fight fell through. So one would imagine he's at least kind of had an extended training camp for this thing. So I, I, don't, I don't hate that pick at all. Uh, moving on down the main card of this pay-per-view, uh, it is uh, we've got Kelvin Gastelum taking on Ian Heinish. That's a that's a really fun fight. Um, that's a 185, and of course uh, Gastelum is the uh, the favorite here, minus 230, which feels a little long to me uh, over a guy as tough as Ian Heinish. Of course, Gastelum been in there with uh, you know the best of the best, so he's uh, there's no. Uh, no big deal to him, but uh, Heinish it is definitely a big step up in competition. I have a hard time pulling the trigger though at minus two thirty. Justin, any lean here? That's wild that the odds are that high. You know, Kelvin just just hasn't uh, statistically hasn't given a reason for the odds to be that high recently. He hasn't won a fight in almost three years. He's obviously fighting the top of the echelon guys, but um, Ian, Hon- Ian Heinish is is one of those dogs that you know he can come in there and and brawl with you he's a you know a decent wrestler he's i don't think kelvin's gonna be able to just take him down at will uh, i think ian heinish might actually land a, a takedown or two of his own um but if kelvin doesn't stick to the game plan here he could be looking at uh looking at his signing papers because his walking papers because um ian heinish is, is nothing to look past you know and and it's gonna be tough to get up for this for kelvin too because ian heinish is not the name that kelvin's been fighting um you know, I, I think there may be a little bit of a size differential, too. I think Kelvin may be a little undersized here. Um, so I, I think it's a dogger or no play on this. Um, so I, I probably won't play it, but I'm keeping an eye on Heinish today. A uh, new addition to the main card of the pay-per-view uh, is now Andre Ewell taking on Chris Gutierrez. Now, we saw Chris Gutierrez fight against uh, our buddy Cody Durden not long ago in, the, in a draw. Uh, Gutierrez is very much a striker, not a whole lot of grappling. Uh, two wins in a row, you know, over Irwin Rivera, Jonathan Martinez. So this is a pretty good little leap up, in my opinion, against uh, – no, I'm sorry. It's Andre Ewell that has the wins over Rivera and Martinez. Uh, I think it, it, I do stand by what I'm saying, though, in that for Gutierrez, it's a pretty good step up to uh, an Andre Ewell who's, you know, his own, his losses in the UFC are to, to top guys, Marlon Cheeto Vera, Nathaniel Wood, top prospects, you know. So I feel like uh, getting Andre Ewell at, a, at plus 120, uh, you know, Gutierrez is the favorite here, minus 140. I love Andre Ewell at plus 120. Uh, either of you guys got a take on that one? I don't think I ever love Andre Ewell. <laughs> uh, but, 
I think I, I think I'm sticking with Gutierrez on this one. Um, I, I do think that it's a step up in competition as far as who Andre Yule's like. It's, Andre Yule's faced much tougher competition than than Gutierrez. Gutierrez has not necessarily faced that type of competition, but um, Andre Yule's not been super impressive against this the super high level guys either where um you know Chris Gutierrez has, we've always seen him you know a little bit but uh, I think he still has the potential to to cause problems in the division um and it'll be a good good test for him you know if he does get past Andre Yule I think it'll solidify him as being somebody to watch up up and coming uh I until I just heard Tim talk about Andre Yule right now and, and we talk about Chris Gutierrez we he fought against Cody Durden if I remember correctly, I think that fight was at 135. And, yeah. And uh, this this fight here is at 140, and we're talking about Ull. Uh, uh, he he was supposed to fight. Was it Stanman he was supposed to fight last week? Yeah. And, and Cody Stanman he got and he got dropped off because of COVID or whatnot. And uh, so so Andre's been in the and, and he's been ready. He's been staying ready. Well, this certainly yeah. stepped down from Cody Stanman. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. So and then Chris Terry, he he he's getting he's getting the call. I mean we, we've seen him in the UFC already a couple times. And he is impressive, but bringing him in on this short of a notice to get some guy who's been training, and let's add that he's been training for stamina wrestler. It's going to be a whole different training uh, camp for a different kind of fighter. I don't know what to expect, but with, with that being said, I would stay away from this fight as far as betting. But if I was going to have a lane, I'd probably go with with Gutierrez, but I, I'm not sure, man. Ull could take him down. It could be a different fight. If he can hold him down for two rounds, you can see a, a decision for Ull. Going down to the prelims now, uh, there's uh, female fights here on the prelims. Pollyanna, Viana in, in a uh, strawweight fight against Mallory Martin. That's two uh, lesser uh, lesser in the rankings females there. Uh, Viana, of course, uh, is a slight underdog here. It's uh, Mallory Martin minus 145, Martin back at plus 125. Also on the undercard, we've got Gabe Green taking on Philip Rowe in a welterweight bout. Uh, Gabe Green is the slight favorite here, minus 140 to Phil Rowe's uh, plus 120. Uh, Greg, you got uh, you got some uh, insight on this one? I just want to point out some statistics here on Philip Rowe. He's coming in this fight, uh, what, 7-2? Uh, What's his record? I'm looking at it right seven and, uh, He's 7-2, uh, he's yeah. 7-2. And, um, well, I, I was going back and just looking at his past record and and past uh, opponents and just nearly you know he started out zero and two and then three and one or or, uh, or one and three he's got his record his past past record his opponent's record is not very impressive at all everybody that he's ever fought has had one loss and one win or zero wins and three losses or something and he, he just hey he hasn't shown nothing and against and then he gets a Gabe Green Right here, Gabe Green's already been fighting in the UFC. Granted, he lost to Rodriguez last time out, and uh, but uh, I got to go with the guy that's been in Bellator. It's been you know an extreme fighters. He's been see, he's been he's he's shown his he's shown his experience and his level. And I and I look at fights on this card right here, and just about every card where I look for the biggest mismatch on the card. And this I could be wrong, but I'm looking at a guy that's ranked you know almost top 100 worldwide at welterweight versus a guy that's top 20 21 in Florida right here. So I got to go with Gabe Green at 115, minus 115. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can get behind that. Looking at Philip Rowe's uh, strength of schedule is very lackluster until he makes it to the Contender Series. He gets a good win on the Contender Series over Leon Shabazian. But before that, uh, there's no fighters with a winning record, you know. So uh, I, it definitely does look like uh, Gabe Green's a little more 
a little more battle tested. So uh, yeah, I can't I can't fault you for going that way uh, by any means. Uh, moving back to this undercard here at UFC 258. It's this Saturday on pay per view. We've got um, let's see, Rodolfo Vieira, a Brazilian uh, jiu jitsu uh, wonder kid, or not a kid anymore. He's but he's a, he's a hostile. He is. He's taking on Anthony Hernandez. Uh, seven and two. Uh, Anthony Hernandez, not uh, in my opinion, uh, really a top UFC level guy. Um, you know, last time out, uh, didn't make it past the first minute with Kevin Holland before he went down to uh, uh, TKO. Uh, this fight was supposed to happen. It looks like uh, last month, and, and here we are. But uh, I think uh, you know, Vieira obviously is going to be a heavy favorite, one of the biggest favorites on the card, maybe the biggest favorite on the card. Uh, he's about minus four, anywhere from minus four hundred to minus four forty. With uh, Hernandez coming back at plus three fifteen, I think uh, Vieira inside the distance is the way to go here. Uh, Greg, uh, what say you? Yeah, I was just looking at both guys' records on this right here, and uh, I, I, I'm gonna back what you did say. I'm sorry about uh, about Hernandez being you know top top level. You know he's on the really top level in the UFC and. Uh, if, if how long he's going to be in the UFC or whatnot? But Anthony, Bar- uh, Anthony Hernandez, he, he likes to talk, talk the talk, and we're going to get to see him against another guy that's great on the ground. I'm going to take uh, Vera by submission, probably first or second round right here. Just yeah, this, this this is a guy that I think you can load up on your uh, your DK probably your fantasy as well, huh? Mm, oh yeah, put him on DK parlay piece is pretty. Yeah, it, I really have a hard time seeing. Mini pass to victory here for uh, for old Fluffy Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Moving on down this card here, we have got uh, just a couple left here. It looks like uh, we've got Julian Robertson taking on Miranda Maverick in a uh, flyweight bout. That should be fun. Maverick's kind of a beast, you know. And then uh, Ricky Simone taking on Brian Keller at one forty five. It seems like that fight should have happened already. Has they uh, Justin? Uh, you got any take on these? Uh, is that a fight that's have we have they fought before? They've both been asking for it for a while, but this will be the first time they, they got their wish. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, what's your take? Uh, man, I think this is going to be a fun fight. Both these guys are super grindy. Um, yeah. I mean, look here at the odds. I know Ricky Simone's a pretty heavy favorite over Brian Kelleher, but um, Brian Kelleher is just a guy that you can never really count out. Um, he's going to be coming the whole time, pushing. Both these guys are going to be looking to get takedowns. Uh, could be end up being a you know a striking battle just because they are both such grindy um, guys, but the scrambles are going to be insane. I, I feel like in this one, um, this is a toss up for me. I'm, I'm probably staying away from this one. I think you know I think Ricky Simone is more well rounded, and more technical, but I, I just have a hard time uh, betting against Brian Kelleher, especially with the odds um, that 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 skewed. Yeah, Ricky Simone. Uh, sorry, I didn't say that. Ricky Simone minus two fifty here. Keller coming back about plus 200 and I, I, I favor Ricky, but that is a lot. That is pretty good odds to give up uh, against a guy that's so opportunistic as Keller because he has got pop in his hands and he can latch on to those quick submissions, you know, out of nowhere. So it's one of those that I think he'd be like squeezing your butt all the whole time, like, <laughs> like holding, not hoping that Simone don't drop the ball, you know? So yeah, uh, yeah I'm with you there. Also Miranda Maverick, the, I'm a little surprised to see Maverick, the, Minus 140 favorite over Robertson, just with Robertson having so much, you know, back, back class, if you will. Maverick's still pretty green in her career. That's still a tough one to call. 
Uh, rounding out this card, we've got Bobby uh, Bobby King Green taking on Jim Miller. Here's that battle of the OGs. Do we, uh, you know, we, we, it seems like we're getting more and more of these, uh, you know, between your Matt Brown and Carlos Condits and your uh, Clay Guidas, Michael Johnson. Now we got Bobby Green, Jim Miller, and uh, Jim Miller, or I'm sorry, Bobby Green minus pretty heavy favorite here, minus uh, anywhere from minus 270 to 280, and uh, Miller coming back about plus 210. And, uh, Greg, you, th- you see some value here in uh, Jim Miller. I see value on Jim Miller, and this is a, this is just a, a hunch. So, uh, voter beware and, and sprinkle as much as you want at your own discretion. I like Jim Miller because Jim Miller always comes out, and he comes with the same energy. Bobby Green here lately hasn't been coming out with the same energy he you know, usually does when he's going to win a fight. But, I mean, just the thing is that Jim Miller's been winning me money. He's been getting submissions. He's been doing – doing good for me lately and Bobby Green just simply hasn't so uh, I don't know I mean I know Justin might have an opinion on this I got Jim Miller I think Jim Miller could take it by submission well first off I'm I'm about it about these you know giving these old cats you know another opponent like that we got one coming up Don Cerrone is fighting uh uh, what's Diego Sanchez yeah so I like these I like this kind of fights you know I I don't like it when they throw these older cats to, to the young lions and um, offer them up, but I, I think that if you're going to stick around, these are the type of fights that you should give these guys. Um, but Bobby Green, he's, he's coming off of a loss, but he had three wins in 2020. He fought four times. He, he beat Clay Guido, Venata, Alain Patrick, all decisions, but you know, he, he's he's not a finisher. He's, he's, it's probably, this fight's probably going to be a decision, or Jim Miller's going to lock onto a neck and, and take it home with him. Um, I, I like Jim Miller in this fight just because you can't – most of these guys are also super grinded. I mean, you know, Bobby Green, I don't love him as a fighter. I don't think he's – you know, I don't know. He doesn't really do it for me. But every time I watch him, I'm, I'm still impressed uh, because he just doesn't have any quit in him. He's, he, he's, he's going to push the fight. He's a lot smarter than, than he, you would think he is. Um, so his fight IQ is, is higher than, than you assume looking at him. Um, but I think that this is a, a good opportunity to make a little money off of Jim Miller, though. He's a, Jim Miller is a Clay Guida type. You know, these guys are just really, really hard to beat at any time. And that it never stops. You know, when you can grind like that, um, you can always find a way to win. All right. And then uh, opening up the card, hey, we've got – go ahead. Hey, no, go ahead, Greg. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I just want to add one more thing in there. Method of victory by Jim Miller – Jim Miller by submission is plus five hundred and fifty. That's what I was going to take. That'd be that's juicy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Open up the card. Uh, got a fight that, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed to happen not long ago, and I guess the COVID or some such got it. Uh, Diego Lima from down in Hot Atlanta. Uh, that's uh, uh, Cody Durden's coach uh, taking on Bilal. Remember the name, Muhammad. Um, man, this is a this is a pretty good fight to open up the card. That's uh, maybe should be a little higher on the card, in my opinion. Uh, Bilal Muhammad is the uh, is I, I misspoke earlier when I said the Vier was the minus at minus three eighty was the biggest favorite on the card. It's uh, Muhammad is actually as high as four fifty in some books over Lima at plus three hundred plus three thirty. Now that's definitely too long a number. I, I do think Muhammad's supposed to win. I think he's the more well rounded fighter. Um, but man, that's really I I think Lima's got a better chance than Anthony Hernandez. Yeah, Lima. The, the the crazy thing about this, you know, he's you know comes from from great pedigree. 
Um, and he's going to be trying to strike with Bilal Muhammad. I think the reason the odds are, are so skewed is because the the uh, consensus opinion is that Bilal is going to be able to get his hands on him and, and grind Diego down uh, for a three-round fight. Um, and I think Diego just kind of does have his plate full with managing fighters and coaching. You know, he's Charles Oliveira's manager and coach, and um, so he's got a lot going on. Bilal is, is about this life, you know, and he's put everything he has into this, and I, I think that normally he wins this fight, but I would not touch it with for anything just because it, it's so wide. Um, Diego Lima could pop off a head kick and, you know, in the fight in 15 seconds. You just don't know. So you wouldn't classify Muhammad as parlay material? Uh, Man, I think he's too high to even put in a parlay. I think that the risk on it is – I think the risk is too high to throw that. You know, at plus 400, he's not doing a whole lot of – you know, he's not helping you a ton on, on a parlay. Yeah. Yeah, I think right now the only one that I see that is uh, Hadolfo Vieira to me that is that I feel like I'm just going to have to go down on my – like, you know, that's who I'm going to keep. It. You know, it seems like there's one dude every week where I end up feeling like, man, this is going to be the guy that I've, I've, I hit this one. Then every, it doesn't mean I've won everything else, but I really need that one to win for everything else to win, if that makes sense. And it was Khalil Roundtree a couple weeks ago. It was Mike Rodriguez this week. Man, hopefully Adolfo Vieira can be that guy for me. Yeah, I, cl- I, think Barber, I think Macy Barber. I think Barber is a uh, is an option to be that guy in this card, just because she's also, you know, an underdog and she's she's going to add a lot of value to your parlays. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, any any closing thoughts on this, uh, Greg? Before we wrap it up and move on to our Valor recap. I, I just want to I just want to say that I, I may not be going Macy Barber. I may be going Grasso. I could see Macy Barber maybe gassing in that fight. Uh, I don't know. I could be wrong, but uh, like I said, I'm gonna probably. I think Justin said he was probably gonna stay away from that one. I am too, but I got to differ from there on that front. So as far as uh, uh, as far as that goes, no, I'm excited. Uh, I think last week's card was better, but this is still a, a good card. Um, uh, can't wait to watch it on Saturday. All right, joining us now, the voice of our Jeff Hobbs on the line as we get ready to recap and react to this past Friday's Valor Fighting Challenge 78. We're down from the world famous Cotton Eye Joe, and uh, it was an all amateur showcase. One of the uh, one of the actually the best performing uh, pay per view uh, broadcast that we've had ever. Yeah, which kind of took me by surprise. It's wild sometimes how these under, these amateur cards will sneak up onto the radar and have uh, so many people uh, invested. So, uh, of course, we had a lot of fights here. Uh, before we get into the uh, results, uh, don't don't tell us just yet how each person scored yet, but just give us our scores coming into this week, Justin. Set the table, man. All right, coming into this week, Greg was in the lead with 21 points, followed by Hobbs with 18, and Chris in the swing seat with 17 points. So uh, to recap, uh, to win a uh, to pick the winner of a fight, you get two points. If you pick the method of victory for the winner, you are eligible for another bonus point. Um, so uh, without further ado, uh, I'm, we're going to do a little bit different this time. I'm actually just going to join our rotation of uh, reactors, if you will. Instead of me uh, recapping each fight, we'll shorten things up a little bit by just adding me to the rotation. So Justin will uh, play moderator, if you will, uh, give the results of the fights and uh, and then give it to each of us to react to. And then Justin will let us know what the picks were. So uh, I'll hand it over to you, Justin. All right, to get us started out, 
We had a lightweight bout between Bud Cook and Alex Stock. Alex Stock got the first round TKO. Greg took TKO and so did Chris. So both of them got the extra point. Hobbs got the two points for Alex Stock um, winning the fight. And Tim, do you want to set the table for us on this one? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, this one uh, started off as uh, most Bud Cook's uh, fights do. They're uh, throwing that leather. Uh, there was a moment, uh, you know, maybe in 30, 40 seconds in, uh, Bud claimed a low blow uh, up against the cage. Uh, the referee, Chris Bond, did not see the alleged low blow. And upon video review, I didn't either. But uh, essentially, Chris didn't call the foul. And so it, there was like this weird moment where Alex Stock was like, like paused over him, like, should I attack him? Are they going to call what he's alleging? And so uh, they didn't. So Alex pounces on him, uh, ground and pound from the back. And uh, Chris Bond steps in after, uh, you know, another 10 seconds or so. Uh, Bud uh, was upset with the stoppage at that point because uh, he said he was he was getting up as, uh, as Chris stepped in. But uh, uh, it is what it is. Uh, Alex Stock with a nice debut win, and uh, Bud, Bud Cook was angry afterward. Greg? Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, you just you walked us through it, man. He took that. Uh, I, I I didn't see the low blow, but at that point in time, Bud, I know Alex stopped, like literally stopped on his way in to pounce on Bud, and it looked like Chris may jump in and stop it, but he didn't. And whenever he didn't, Alex stopped, backed off, and Bud could kind of look up, and and Chris, you know, clearly yelled, "I didn't stop it. Keep fighting." And Bud Cook, that was the moment he should have jumped up. He didn't jump up, and Alex Stock just pounced on him, and it started hammering. And it really didn't give Bud Cook a chance. But when Bud Cook was actually in position, trying to work up, as as Chris was pulling Alex off, Bud Cook started rising up, and then he lost his temper. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Chris Bond's done, you know, so many different fights for us here, and uh, I think, and you know, sometimes the referees are people too, and they can lose their temper as well. And uh, but. Uh, you know, with that being said, Bud Cook was really upset about that one, and I think Chris Bond didn't like how Bud Cook handled the situation. Uh, but I think in the future we can learn from that. With that being said, man, uh, I hate that it ended that way, but, you know, Bud Cook, uh, you know, we need to see him getting in there. And uh, I want to see him get a win at some point in time. But Alex Stock, I think that I think we're going to see some big things out of him here real soon. All right, next up we had lightweight uh, tie action. As Tyler Jones takes a second round TKO over TKO over Jamal Bell, our panelists Greg and Hobbs both took Jones. Greg by TKO, so he gets the extra point, and Chris took Bell, so she gets zero points on that one. If I'm not mistaken, uh, when watching this recap video that uh, our girl Sarah Brooks made, and everybody needs to go check it out on our social media because it's fire. Uh, I think Tyler Jones comes over to the commentary table, Greg, and told uh, Chris Ricker not to not to not to pick against him again. Uh, there was a, a nice fight, though. Honestly, I thought that, uh, you know, Tyler Jones looked composed out there. He was landing the better strikes. Uh, Jamal Bell had, you know, he, he would keep his hands down in and it was to I think it was to bait uh, Jones into throwing so he could counter. But he was getting tagged. There, uh, there was a couple moments where he got hurt. Uh, Jones took the first round. The second round, um, we had uh uh, one of those moments where where Jones kind of stunned him pretty good up against the cage, but he never went down. And uh, the referee, Roy Standers, he stepped in and waved it off. In hindsight, I would have given a standing eight count 
to Bell at that point because he wasn't really that hurt. Uh, I didn't think he did at least deserve a standing eight count. But a nice win for Tyler Jones. I was I didn't know how he would look as this is his first fight as an adult. And so uh, he acquitted he acquitted himself well in there uh, from I guess a guy from a tough camp, Doug Usher's group down there. What do you think about this fight? Hobbs? Yeah, this was one where, uh, you know, there was a couple of, uh, you know, kind of just weird moments in the in the uh, in the action here where I thought I should, you know, we should have gotten a standing eight count and didn't. And then, um, well, actually, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, there was a couple of times where, I mean, we should have called it an actual knockdown uh, with gloves hitting the canvas. Yeah, and, and we yeah. and we did. Yeah, we didn't. And so, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it was a lot of action for, uh, you know, Roy to keep up with there. And, you know, it was so early in the evening, you know, kind of hadn't found your groove or your mojo yet, man. But Tyler Jones looked good. He was crisp. Um, you know, everything we thought we were going to see from Tyler Jones. Uh, I just wish I would have got the extra points. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Next up, 175-pound catchweight MMA. We had Skylar Cobb takes a uh, it was basically a doctor stoppage after uh, the end of the first round. Uh, Skylar Cobb takes a victory over Chris Kinnett. All of our panelists took Chris Kinnett in that one, so no one is awarded any points. That was a really funky one. This was kind of the um, this was the bane of my weekend, guys. This was the, this this little situation here. We had Skylar Cobb at a different fight. If you, if you guys recall, he was supposed to fight Colin Robinson. Came in uh, way underweight to the point where I felt like it was not a good look for him to be fighting Colin Robinson. And then on fight day, Jalen Bostic, one of our fighters from Michigan from Battle Creek had uh, a medical situation arise that, that pulled him out of the fight. So we ended up slotting Skylar Cobb down here against Chris Kinnett in place of Jalen Bostic. Uh, so Skylar Cobb, uh, more or less, there was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a funky round to score. It was a lot of grappling transitions. Both guys were on top and would lose position to the guy on the bottom. It was just like roll around over and over and over. But hardly either guy landed any strikes. I would have given, I think all the judges gave the first round to Kinnett, but then Kinnett, uh, quit on the stool in between rounds because I guess his uh, his eye got scratched or something like that. He said so. Skylar Cobb gets the win on short notice. All right. Next up, we had featherweights at 145 pounds MMA. Uh, Elliot Heck takes a second round TKO over Kevin Rodriguez. Okay, our this was judges. A- <clears throat> let's see our judges on this one. I'm trying to see, I have something mixed up here. Did I not have this one? Did we not do this one? Um, Elliot Heck and oh, okay. uh, Cardona. Yeah, well, no, Cardona. Yeah, I had it listed as Cardona because that's what they told me it was, and it's what he's listed on his social media. But his name's Kevin Rodriguez. Same guy, though. Okay, okay. So, uh, two of our panels, Greg and and uh, Hob, both took Cardona. Chris got the uh, all three points, taking Elliot Heck by TKO. Man, that was a fun fight. One of those early star fights uh, for me is uh, on my bout sheet for uh, of the night award, a performance of the night award. Uh, Elliot Heck is a very tall and long at 145. He's going to be a problem for people. He's so his dimensions are are crazy. Really nice, uh, accurate striking. Uh, a really nice push kick, uh, front push kick to the body, which he's shown off now for a couple fights. And this is one of those fights where we got to the second round before it ended, but you know, uh, Heck would flurry on Cardona or Rodriguez rather with and would land four or five pop 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 pop, and then Cardona or, or Rodriguez rather would come back with a big overhand right and land it on Heck. So it was he was still very dangerous because he would was hitting Heck with like the bigger shots, but Heck was really just uh you know accumulating shots on him. That was a really fun fight. You uh, have any apologies to give to uh, Elliot Heck, Greg? 
I mean, I, I that's one of the ones. Like I, I, I was going to say at the end of the end of the podcast, but I'll go ahead and say he was the one that opened opened my eyes, and I guess I'm a fan of him now. Uh, was now he was he uh did he have stitches at the end of the night? Who was? I think that was Claybo. Okay, got gotcha. that was the guy that I fought Perea. Yeah, we're coming to well, that one soon. I don't, but I don't think I actually got to say. I didn't get to say it on commentary, but I wanted to. But yeah, dude, he had that uh, Sparta kick down packed. He's this is Sparta all night, you know, wow. against Rodriguez Cardona. You know, <laughs> every time he kicked him, I've seen that that this is this is Sparta kick over three hundred <laughs> every time. It was beautiful. So yeah, I became a fan that night. Uh, I'm glad to get to see these young kids from KMA jumping in there and uh, finally get to fight. I'm finally, you know, getting to see all these kids we've been hearing about. All right, next up, 155-pound MMA. We had Christian McNutt taking a TKO victory over Matt Gray, who retired um, at the end of the first round. Um, Greg and and uh, I see Greg took TKO, so he gets the extra point. Chris took McNutt by decision, um, so she gets two points. Hobbs gets zero. This was another. It's crazy. How often do you have two fights in a row that in the exact same way? Fighter retort, retires on his stool in between rounds. This is another wild and wacky one, man. Uh, Gray comes in from Indian Land MMA with a lot of kickboxing experience, but no MMA experience, and uh, he got clipped and hurt early in that or about midway through that round. Christian McNutt throwing some big shot power shots. He was throwing them from left field, man. <laughs> I mean, he was coming from the hip. Uh, but he wasn't able to get him out of there. Uh, gets into the second round, and uh, before we were able to start it, uh, uh, Gray said he couldn't continue in his corner, so we had two straight in a row that ended uh, in that that odd fashion. McNutt had a lot of people there. Yeah, it was uh, one fight in between those, but almost back to back. What did you think about that one, Hobbs? Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's odd enough to see that happen one time, you know, twice in the same night. Uh, definitely uh, not the norm, but McNug looked good. You know, I I got zero points out of this shit um, uh, because I went with my old trusty not going with an independent fighter. Uh, and it just uh, it, it bit me in the ass this time. But, you know, McNutt looked McNutt look good. Uh, like I said, oddly enough, I had a lot of uh, fan support there. Um, which was surprising. Usually these independence guys come in and uh, it's maybe just something they do in their spare time and, you know, don't bring a lot of people. So hats off to him and hopefully we'll see him again. I think we will. You know, he's training now, I think, in Maryville, down at Maryville uh, BJJ with old Jerry Burns. There's a blast from the past. Next up, we had uh, 205 light heavyweight MMA. Adam Sylvie gets a TKO by pukage. Uh, (laughs) Will Will Barnett uh, not able to keep his – Keep his dinner down on that one. Uh, yeah. All of our panelists picked um, Sylvie Hobbs got the extra point taking TKO. Yeah, talk about some funky fights in that first flight of fights, man. Uh, Sylvie looking good out there. Sylvie put together, man, uh, for uh, for a guy that's a little longer in the tooth. He he comes in uh, in great shape, has that nice spinning body kick that we see him throw a lot. And uh, I don't know, that may have been a precursor to what uh, led to Mr. Barnett, uh, you know, losing his, his stomach there in the cage. And anytime that happens, they call the fight off immediately. Uh, he wasn't having a bad accounting for himself up to that point. It wasn't like he was just getting you know, torched or anything, but they'll stop the fight every time that happens. So I think we'll see him back. He's another one of those Michigan cats. I, I enjoyed having them down. Next up, we had a uh, featherweight 145 MMA. Ricky Claybo takes a unanimous decision over Caleb Pereira uh, on that one. Hobbs uh, and Chris both took Caleb. No extra points on that one. So, uh, so they both took, uh, 
uh, Perea or they took Claybo? No, they, they both took Claybo. Um, okay. But uh, one had submission, one had TKO, so no. Okay, no gotcha. Point. All right, this was another fun one, man. Uh, we went all the rounds. It was a grueling fight. Perea, his record doesn't do him justice. He's Owen. He's Owen. Is he 0 3 now? He's a really yeah, tough 0 3. Um, just very tenacious fighter from down there in Alabama. Had an armbar early, deep on Claybo in that first round. Claybo able to withstand that and then uh, finishes the round on top and then uh, kind of does the same thing the next two rounds. Just a uh, prey not able to do much from his back. Claybo, a, a, a you know, good looking, young, tall, strapping kid. He, he His eye was all swollen up afterward, man. He, he looked a bit of a mess, but a nice uh, debut fight for him over a really tough Perea. Uh, one of our judges got a little wonky on one of those rounds. I had all three rounds for uh, for Claybo, but it was still one of those fights where Perea was just always in it because he was he was really going for it. What do you think about that one there, Greg? Well, I was wrong on that one right there. And Claybo uh, debut impressed me, taking out Caleb Pereira. Like you know, Tim said, he, he's zero two or zero three, one or two. But he, uh, I, like I said last week, uh, I don't think he shows all that he's worth in the cage yet. I think he's still got a lot of growing to do. But with that being said, Ricky Clayball impressed me. Uh, got hit with some bombs that most guys would have went down on, and. Uh, uh, I mean, yes, hats off to Ricky Clayball. I was going to add something to the uh, – uh, what was the last one we just talked about, about the uh, Williams? Yeah. I'm looking, William Barnett and Adam Sylvie. Uh, you yeah. You were talking about, you know, how many <laughs> – I was just going to throw this in there, you know, because I was right there in front of the action on the on the puke. But uh, you say it was by TKO because, I mean, wouldn't that be technically verbal submission? I mean, like – I mean, um, I'm pretty I, sure. I'm pretty positive it's called TKO, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. I'm just laughing at it. <laughs> times, and we're we're talking about how many times back to back do you see two guys sitting on a stool quit or call the fight off by verbal, you know, ver- verbal after after that, you know, like back to back. Yeah. Know? I mean, how many how many vomits did we see that night? Like we were talking about how exciting the night was. It was exciting. We had two vomits, two uh. <laughs> Two fights get ended, you know, mid round, and uh, I want to start adding some under and overs on the vomits, on the nut shots. We didn't even see a whole lot of those. No, like, yeah, we had a phantom one. <laughs> the oh yeah, one. the fake one. We had the fake there one. <laughs> so with the under and over for the nut shots, wasn't even spoke about that night because we didn't even see a lot of them. But yeah, you know, we might who's going to quit on the stool under over and under one and a half, you know, and the puking over and under one and a half, but. uh just wanted to add that in there before we uh, moved on from Ricky Clayball. Shout out to Ricky Clayball. Good job, brother. Greedy Greg Hopkins trying to steal an extra point for the verbal submission instead of TKO. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we had uh, Colton Dunn stepped in last minute. Uh, fight was at 185. It looks like Colton weighed in a little under 181 and a half pounds. Um, Colin Robinson was able to get the unanimous decision on that. Um, everybody... Well, Greg and, and Hobbs both picked Robinson. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Dunn stepped in for Cobb, who, who Chris picked, so she doesn't get any points. But uh, Greg and Hobbs both get points there. Well, that was actually a submission. Uh, Colin with oh, a rear naked choke in the second round there. Uh, props to Colton Dunn for stepping up, man. That was, uh, and props to Con Robinson for adjusting on the fly. You know, I spoke with Robinson's coach at the night before after the weigh-in. Uh, 
had happened and we saw that Cobb was coming in way, way small. Uh, and he, he agreed, you know, they made that ride all the way from Massachusetts. You know, they wanted to get a good fight and Colton Dunn gave him a good test. You know, we hadn't seen Colton Dunn in a while. Tough, you know, country boy, strong, tough kid. And, and he really brought it to him. But uh, Robinson just uh, and he's one of those blue chip prospects that uh, I've really got uh, that I really hold in high regard, man. He's a guy that we're going to we're really going to see, uh, I think, do something. Hobbs, anything on that fight? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Colin Robinson is is quickly becoming one of my favorite Valor fighters right now. Um, <clears throat> I was feeling good by this point in the in the card, too. So um, <clears throat> I, I maybe shouldn't have handed a, a Boston kid the mic and tell him to go to town because uh, uh, he went full on uh, Massachusetts on us. But, uh, man, Colin Robinson is – you know, I I don't know if we've ever signed an exclusive with an amateur before, but we might want to do something with this kid, this kid and uh, get him locked down. Uh, I'm going to dare say a lot of those pay-per-view uh, buys and the uh, success of our pay-per-view numbers have a lot to do with Colin Robinson. Uh, <clears throat> man, he's got it all right now. He's got he's got the look, he's got the talent and the skill to go with it, uh, and he's got the uh, the presence on the mic to really get the crowd and the fans engaged and invested in them. Um, you know, this was exactly what he needed at this point, though. You know, COAL, Colton, uh, uh, Dunn is not uh, a slouch. You know, he's been out for a long time, but he's always going to bring it. He's tough. So this was, you know, a perfect progression for Colin Robinson um, moving forward. So this was uh, – he's a guy to be happy with his performance, uh, happy with the quality uh, opponent that he ended up with. Um, you know, Colton Dunn was sitting at three and two. That's a winning record with five fights. You know, that was a good, uh, good win for Robinson. All right. Next up, we had a catch weight at 150 MMA. Dustin Garrett gets a second round rear naked choke over Luke Diedrich. All of our panelists pick Garrett, but Hobbs gets the extra points with the submission. Yeah, again, props to Luke Diedrich for stepping up short notice. Props to Dustin Garrett for adjusting on the fly. And Diedrich, man, he's he's put together a tall kid at that, uh, you know, a featherweight. Uh, he, he he walked in at 150. We didn't want to make him cut weight there taking the fight short notice, but he'd be a 145 guy and uh, showed showed some nice potential. I'd, I'd like to have him back, actually. Uh, he, he showed uh, a lot of gameness there getting into the second round with uh, Dustin Garrett, where some other guys had not. And eventually falling to submission, Dustin Garrett, as we talked about, has just cut that motor. Man, we saw a little more striking from him than we're used to seeing in this one. He kind of came out and was was throwing uh, hands a lot more than we usually. He's going to the ground and going over that submission, but opened up his striking some in this one as well. Uh, good win for Dustin Garrett. Moves to three and one quietly, working his way up that featherweight chain. Next up, we had welterweight 170 pound MMA. Sheldon Wright gets a third round TKO over Amios Boyd. Um, let's see, all of our panelists picked. Sheldon right on that one. Um, Greg and Hobbs both get the extra point with TKO. Yeah, man, there's another uh, blue chipper here. Selden Wright moves to 3-0. and uh, Old Dominion wrestler, he's shown that wrestling, and no one's been able to stop the takedown. Uh, showing a little bit more of that ground and pound, though, this time, getting Amios Boyd out of there in the third round. Amios is a tough guy, guy that, uh, you know, he went the rounds of Bronson Bazorgi, and uh, a guy we'll talk about here in a little bit. But, yeah, Selden Wright, man, tell you what, uh, the wrestling is so good. He's uh, if he if he starts showing some other aspects of his game, he's going to be one to really keep an eye on. Another guy that I, I hold in high high regard coming up the ranks at one seventy. I actually skipped a fight there. Before that, we actually had featherweights one forty five. Joshua Kelly gets a rear naked choke in the first over Elijah Gilbertson. 
um, believe Greg had Kelly by TKO. The other two had Gilbertson. Okay, that was another fun one, man. Uh, I thought Elijah Gilbertson uh, was fighting very well up until the end there. He, he looked composed, probably the sharpest I've seen him look out there, honestly. But uh, Kelly winging those big blows, those wild blows. He catches uh, Gilbertson in one of the exchanges, drops him, takes his back, gets a rear naked choke. And uh, Gilbertson didn't tap, man. He went on to take a nap. He wasn't going to tap. But uh, congrats to Josh Kelly getting a win over an experienced guy. Uh, and hopefully Elijah keeps his head up because I don't think that he was performing poorly out there. He just uh, got caught in the breach. Greg, anything from me on that? Yeah, just uh, I, 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 the Josh McKelly coming up, the zero and zero. You never know what to expect from these guys. You know, George St. Pierre had to have a very first fight at one point in time. So, you know, Elijah Gilbertson was coming to this fight, a 500 fighter, three and three. Huge step up for Joshua McKelly just to make his debut against a guy who has six fights. And um, with that being said, I just remember, you know, Elijah's uh, is, I just still growing. He's still very young. He's still got a, a lot of room for improvement. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'm just, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm not degenerate that's going to go with the guy that I don't know nothing about that I think that, uh, you know, may impress us. And Josh Kelly, he, he put it on Elijah that night. So. All right. Next up, we had middleweight, 185 pound MMA. Sean Milks gets the first round rear naked choke over Alex Lewandowski. Uh, all of our panelists picked Lewandowski on that one. So no points awarded. Yeah, man. I, uh, nice performance from Sean Milks. Tell you what, um, you know, we saw him lose to Selden Wright last time up, but he went all the rounds and was dangerous. And so we knew he was going to be tough and, and, uh, and prepped. But, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised that he beat Alex, but I'm, I, I am kind of surprised at just really how, how easy he made it look. He, he was pretty dominant, gets the submission in the first round over a really tough guy in Alex Lewandowski. So, uh, congrats to Sean Milks. He's a guy that, I mean, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, these 170 and 85 divisions are, like, stocked back up. You know, I love seeing that. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that one, Hobbs? Yeah, I don't know if, you know, you'd necessarily call it an upset for the win, but it was definitely, like you said, Tim, surprising how it ended, you know, and how um, it just just the uh, – I don't want to say ease like it was easy, but, it, I mean, it just – it was, uh, you know, shit, if we were playing Mortal Kombat, it was a flawless victory. Um, it just, you know, I, hell, I picked Lewandowski for a reason. I mean, I, I thought he had, uh, had, had the, uh, the, the season time in the cage and it had the tougher, um, you know, uh, opponents as a whole, uh, you know, um, but man, like you said, you know, Milk's, uh, last of three rounds was seldom right. Uh, probably should have told me everything I needed to know, but, uh, not necessarily surprising win, but surprising that, uh, you know, how it ended. All right. Next up, we had 145 MMA. Um, Jalen Harper takes a second round TKO over Justin McCray. All of our panelists had Jalen. Nobody had him by TKO. So during this time is when we lost our internet feed. So it's unfortunate that this fight is lost in the ether. And I was trying to scramble around to, to check on that at the moment. So Justin, can I lean back on you for a recap here? Do you recall how this one went down? I know Justin McCray's one of our mission guys that came down. I know Harper was coming in with a big head kick back out and wanted to continue that uh, that momentum. And uh, he said in the cage afterward, he's he's going to have a title around his weight, uh, Valor 145 title around his weight, uh, weight by the end of the year. Yeah, man, I, I really don't remember um, after 17 fights I, and then UFC the next day. I, if I don't get to recap it, watch it again, um, I would remember right away as, as I started to watch it. But um, at this point, I don't. I'll tell you what I remember from it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I'll tell you, I remember just telling Jalen Harper's corner throughout the whole fight, uh, take, you know, he's, he's got an opening there for a submission. Uh, I, I wouldn't TKO him. I'd go ahead and submit him right now. Um, uh, man, look, look at the way he's giving up his arm. I was trying my damnedest to, to uh, subliminally talk somebody into a damn submission. <laughs> Anything from you on that one, Greg? Well, yeah, it's just uh, it didn't go like I thought. We, we you know, Jalen Harper moving camp to a gogi there from Killer Bees to a gogi. Uh, we expected to see maybe some takedowns, and uh, in which he did end up getting some some takedowns to the ground, and was able to secure Justin's back, you know, multiple times. But like like Jeff saying, I was also sitting there edge, and I was like, look, it's, it's right there, it's open. You you got both hooks in, just 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 elementary finish it right there. But you know, he kept on with the ground and pound because Justin kept being wiry and trying to jump up throughout the duration of the fight, and uh, you know, made it to the second round, got him down again. And uh, that time it was uh, it was enough for for Bond to step in and finish uh, and solve stoppage. All right. Next up, we had 135 pound tie fight. Travell Boone takes a split decision over Charlie Miller. Um, Greg got the point, the extra point for decision. Hobbs got the point for the winner, or the two points for the winner. Just a really clean fight from these guys, man. Uh, that's the best way to describe it. Two very skilled guys from two great camps. Uh, specialist, as as Jeff would say, uh, you know, uh, a, a split decision win for Travell Boone. Both guys accounted for themselves very well uh, and just put on a really nice demonstration of uh, Thai kickboxing, man. Uh, it was great to host. And uh, it sounds like uh, Travell Boone is going to uh, make that move up to MMA next. Next up, we had moving back to MMA, 155 pounds. Bronson Pazorgi gets a second round uh, rear naked choke over her. Uh, uh, Isaiah Boyd. Isaiah Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. So um, all of our panelists picked Bazorgi in that one. Uh, nobody by submission. So Bronson Bazorgi uh, moves to four and zero now, and uh, you know we talked about him having the heavy hands um, and just you know being and kind of always bringing it there for for KMAA, and uh, he, he showed off the submission prowess here over the tallest of the Boyd brothers. Takes Isaiah Boyd's uh, O, if you will, moves to four and O, and with that rear naked choke in the second round, and um, said on the mic, man, he more or less called me out. Said you know, hey. I'm wanting one of these uh, title fights at 155 or 170. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. His teammate Parker Rodman due to fight for the 155 title next month against Brandon McGee. So we'll see how that shakes out. And then in the same fight, uh, same night, we're going to see Carter Beatman take on Samaj Portis um, for the 170 title. So I'm sure Bronson Bazorgi will be in attendance and uh, at full attention. Anything stand out here for you, Hobbs? Everything about Bronson Bazorgi stands out, uh, you know, to me right now at this point. The kid is—he's uh, looking better and better each each time he's in the cage. Um, again, I think we got another kid that's uh, got the complete package. Uh, conducts himself, you know, very well in the cage, uh, whether that be you know the action or on the mic. Um, and like you said, he was a. Uh, the fight was over, but he was still pumped up and, in, and intense afterwards. Uh, you know, pretty much like you said, calling you out, Tim, that uh, he wants his turn next. He's tired of looking at everybody else collect all these belts that uh, he wants one of these in uh, at his house. So uh, a lot of exciting fights, but like you said, uh, 155 may not be in the cards. Uh, you know, depending on who wins that fight, he might not want to, uh, you know, <clears throat> tackle a teammate. Uh, so. I guess, uh, you know, he's going to have to eye that 170 right now if that's what he wants to do or kind of wait it out. 
if that uh, 155 uh, belt goes back to uh, KMAA. All right, after that, we had our first title belt, 145-pound vacant title. Andrew Sturvant takes a first-round rear naked choke. Um, Greg had Sturdivant by submission, so he gets the extra point. The other two panelists had Sturdivant, uh, one by decision, one by TKO. Yeah, great win by Andrew Sturdivant. Came in and just, uh, yeah, uh, not to not to speak uh, Ilya Joe Winters. He's a very tough kid put together, you know, and uh, a lot of athleticism. But Sturdivant just really had his way here. Got the rear naked choke uh, late in the first round. Moves to five and five. Gets that 145 strap back. And, uh, man, he's been in my ear, too, about that 155. He's talking about wanting to be that champ champ and get into the mix of 155. So, like, you add Sturdivant to that, to that uh, the aforementioned guys we're talking about, you really get uh, some fun ones. Anything from you here, Greg? Uh, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the, what is it, the, uh, the, the win-loss, win-loss, win-loss for uh, Andrew Sturdivant. It stays intact. And Joel Winters is also on that same route, too. Lost, win, lost, win, lost. So it's something to pay attention to for both guys. With that being said, Andrew Sturdivant's a scrappy guy. I thought Joel Winters would want to take it to the ground. And uh, and I thought Andrew would eventually, you know, welcome that. Uh, and I knew we would get there at one point in time. And I thought that Andrew's, you know, uh, his jiu-jitsu was going to trump any of Joel Winters wrestling there. So that's what I thought there. Uh, however, the uh, – it was and uh, Andrew had himself a uh, adrenaline dump there right after the fight during the interview with Jeff. I, we can talk to Jeff about that. With the that was over and under for the vomit for the night right there. <laughs> well, I tell you, yeah. if I'm uh, if I'm with Sturdivant, I'm telling him to take a tie fight next. That way, mm-hmm. if he if we're gonna do this win loss win loss, take mm-hmm. a tie fight, take a tie fight next. Go ahead and get that loss out of the way. <laughs> that way, you're back on the win cycle for uh, for the next MMA fight. That is, sounds smart. Well, he's competing. I think he's competing March 6th at the uh, at the uh, what's it called, Tim, over there at March 6th in Chattanooga. At the Hydra Cup. Got, about that. Yeah. yeah. So he, we'll, we'll see there. Might be a jiu-jitsu match though. Mm-hmm. Next up, we had Jesse the Pride Slayer Roman stepping up from I guess 85. Normally is where he fights, right? Um, uh, 205, Stepping up to heavyweight and gets the second round TKO to take uh, the belt from CJ Baker. Um, looks like Hobbs had Roman's uh, TKO, so he gets the extra point there. Chris had him by decision. Man, uh, first off, CJ Baker, he came in over. He lost the title on the scales. Uh, he's already kind of decided he's going to go pro after this one. So uh, he told me he's going to just go up to that pro title. So Jeff, Jesse Roman's still eligible to to win the belt here giving up a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, they told me going into this fight that they plan to, uh, to, to pull CJ into deep waters and, uh, and get to the second round after Romans took some quite a bit of damage. It looked like he was really getting touched and it looked like it was hurting him, but he, he kind of, you know, stayed the path. And then as CJ began to slow, land some big knees to the body in the second round, drops in the body shot. Jesse Romans, our second fighter in a row to be four and five upside down coming in and take that title. You called it, Hobbs. What do you think? I, you know, it's exactly – it went down exactly how I thought. Um, you know, anytime C.J. Baker's been in there before, he's been in there with other guys that are the same size, the same cardio level. Uh, that As C.J. is slowing down, well, his opponent is too. So, uh, you know, no one, he's never been at, at you know, at, at, at a risk uh, like he was with, with Jesse Romans. Jesse just uh, covered up put his back on the fence, you know, let CJ uh, have his way with him. Uh, like I said, I mean, some got through and, you know, hats off to, to Romans for being able to take those and withstand, but and stay the course, 
but it was a perfect game plan. Um, I know Roman's talked before the fight a little bit, you know, that his game plan was to really kind of work the legs and work the calves. You know, CJ didn't give him uh, that chance in the first round because all the action was up close against the cage. But uh, it was a beautiful performance, beautiful game plan by uh, Jesse Romans. Uh, it worked out perfectly, exactly how I thought it was going to work out. Uh, because when CJ finally had that dump and tired, uh, Roman still had the athleticism, the the speed, the conditioning to really be able to take advantage and pounce on him. Uh, and uh, it's probably, I think, like two knees before the third and final one uh, hit the button. And, uh, you know, Baker went down, uh, you know, face first into the mat. And that was all she wrote. Uh, most beautiful part of this whole fight to me was <clears throat> leaving uh, leaving Knoxville at 8 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning, loading up my car, trying to get out there in the in the early morning and uh, to see Jesse Romans walking around the uh, the parking lot of the uh, the hotel room with his damn belt wrapped around his waist. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that is a dude that was proud of of what he accomplished and uh, was a hundred percent stoked and, and proud of that belt. And that's what we want at Valerie is somebody that, 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 that strap means that much to them uh, that they're showing it off at 8 a.m. the next damn morning. Uh, maybe I went to the wrong after party. Maybe Jesse Romans was still showing it off at 8 a.m. instead of again, May maybe, maybe, bed yet. yeah, maybe he didn't put it on when he got up. Maybe he had never been to bed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of that's kind of where I would lean on that one. Except we, except we had weight title fight, 125 pounds. Kyle Linder gets the first round submission, defends his title against Shamar Hawaii Perez. Uh, all of our panelists pick Linder on that one. No extra points awarded. Well, Perez lasted about as long as both the first, uh, well, actually longer than the first two opponents combined. But ultimately, he goes down like the rest. Submission, rear naked choke. Kyle Linder is a real deal, guys. Five and zero. Oh. Uh, you know, Perez uh, put on a, a valiant effort, and, and he's a game opponent, a tough guy. And uh, Linder really just um, – there's no amateurs left around here, I don't think, that have uh, have anything for him, man. So, uh, you know, Linder will go pro, and uh, we're excited to host that pro debut probably in April. What do you think about Linder, Greg? Uh, Linder's really impressive. I mean, he was impressive before he came to Shield Systems, and uh, dude's been standing out head and shoulders above his competition, 125 down here. And uh, – I mean, I think it's time for him to make the jump. I mean, I want to see him, you know, fight some 125s. There are some guys that, uh, you know, have, have made that jump up, up to, uh, you know, on the pro ranks and are fighting down south and stuff that I think could give him some some good fights, man. And, I, and I, I'd like to see him on there, you know, some Chase Boutwell fights. I don't know if he's making 125 these days, but that's one I'd like to see come up here and fight against Kyle Linder. Or another little submission guru like a Nate Lindsay. Yeah. I know a little fellow yeah, that went pro at 125 pounds a, a year or so ago. It seems like that still hasn't made his pro debut. That wouldn't be a, a bad thing for Kyle Linder if we could set that up. Who's that? Uh, I'm, I, his name's escaping me right now. He, he came from the Foot Clan. Oh, he's over there. You're talking about Jacob Clemens. He, yeah, yeah. He's he's at Shields now. He, they're oh, training well, partners. Yeah. That probably ain't happening then. That would have been <laughs> a fun one, though. Uh, next yeah. up, we have light heavyweight title fight 205. Torres, the Punisher, finished the Punisher Finney with a third round TKO of Tristan Scarborough. Uh, all of our panelists took, or no, actually, um, Chris took Scarborough on that one. The other two took Finney by TKO. Greg actually by death, but we'll give him the extra point for TKO. Sorry. 
Man, uh, Torres <laughs> Finney, uh, coming out party here, man. Uh, he's he's uh, the real deal. Very high on this guy. Uh, he's 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 got it all: the uh, the athleticism, the talent, the uh, charisma, and now the belt. As he takes out a very tough three and Tristan Scarborough, who's no cakewalk. Tristan Scarborough's tough, tough dude. Uh, very very talented, very skilled guy himself. Big guy. And uh, man, Torres, some of the slams, you know, were just breathtaking. Gets him out of there, third round TKO. Um, put on a great post fat uh, post fight promo, and uh, man, Torres Finney has arrived, and I, I'm uh, I'm excited. What's next for Torres, Hobbs? Well, I think uh, Torres and Selden Wright need to at least be training partners. Uh, I yeah. think they, uh, I think those two just watching them train together would be pretty damn impressive. Um, man, like you said, Torres is uh, he's the flavor of the month, man. Uh, he's got everything going for him, just like some of these other guys we've talked about. Uh, impressive on the mic afterwards you almost want to say he 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 he, uh he he uh practiced it before it was so it was so smooth but uh you could tell it all came uh off the cuff and 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 straight from the heart man um and i i don't know what i don't know what you do with this guy he's only got a you know two and oh record uh so not a lot of time in the cage but um you know you're, you're gonna have to start looking for some of those more experienced guys because nobody with, you know, no debut or, you know, one and oh, or even damn tuna, they're not going to want to step in with this cat, man. Uh, if, they, if they've if they watched any video, I hope they don't have a, uh, you know, box cast. I hope they haven't been able to see it because uh, if, if they do their research and get any video on this guy, I, I can't imagine, you know, too many people um, jumping in there with this kid. Greg, I think he's right. You know, it's seems like, you know, a lot of guys, you'd like to see them get a handful of amateur fights before going pro, but Torres seems like a type of guy that could probably go pro, you know, off of another win, um, and and he would, would fit in fairly well in the pro ranks. What do you think? Yeah, man, Torres is a, is a, is a, he's a freak. He's a beast, man, and it's not it's not because he's just got, you know, God-gifted genetics, man. That guy's always in the gym, and he's always pushing. He's always learning, and, and he's coachable. That's the best thing about Finney is that – he knows that he doesn't know everything, and, and he's always going to know that. And so, like, for that, that type of guy, as big as he is, as strong as he is, and as is, and is, is willing to learn as he is from anybody, he's a very respectful young man. Um, I, the sky's the limit for that kid. I mean, I think we're going to see him on, on the bigger stage one day. I mean, like, 205, and, I mean, he's – you know, after you know after the fight, Romans got in there, and, you know, like you said, Jeff, the promo he cut right there was like he – it was like he planned it. And it was fun. It was funny. It was very energetic. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I've watched it, you know, so many times. I know that a, uh, uh, you know, girlfriend tells me that I need to shut the hell up because I keep, I keep walking around going, uh, you know, <laughs> what did he say? Uh, what did he say at the end? If you smell – you know, I, can't, I kept walking around doing that. Well, the champ is cooking. I kept doing it, and she's like, "God, shut up!" You know, by the end of the weekend, but I couldn't help it. It, it would just pump me up. And uh, but I want to see him go up the heavyweight and take that title from uh, from Roman. See if uh, see how he does against another. I mean, those both those guys are about the same size, really. You know, Roman's is a lot bigger. You see, you see his uh, Torres' face when he walked in. He said, "Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. You know, we'll get, we'll get over there." But, uh, that's, uh, some more exciting things to come. Big, big boy things to come right here, Valor. So to finish us up on the night, uh, Greg and Hobbs both walk away with 15 points. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Chris Chris ends with nine points on the night. So um, 
Greg's still in the lead, winning by three points. He has 36, Hobbs 33, and Chris is off in left field with 26. What are the odds that with all those fights and methods of finish that you guys finish at the same amount? That's pretty wild. It yeah. is, man. Uh, I, I've enjoyed this uh, this season so far, even though I'm I'm not winning, just because, uh, man, just a couple of uh, a couple of methods of, of win, and it changes the whole landscape. You know, three and six point uh, deficit doesn't worry you as much as it did before when you were just you know straight taking numbers for the number of fights. So uh, it's pretty cool. I was counting it up just a second ago. Chris got extra points on two fights, and you guys both got like seven or eight. So oh, yeah. you know, it's that, a big difference maker there. Nice. Nice. All right, gentlemen. Uh, well, that will do it for uh, this edition. And it uh, looks like uh, we'll be turning our sights to March, March the 5th, Valor 79, another all amateur show before we get back to the pros in April. Uh, we'll start talking about that next week and uh, we'll recap this UFC next week as well. Uh, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Of course, if you would uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this fine podcast, and uh, check out our social media as well, give it a give it a follow or a like, and uh, you can keep everything that's uh, going on. Hopefully, that has some news for you guys maybe in the next week or so about some new partnerships for our uh, gamblers out there. Uh, some things that we can uh, we can look forward to, I believe, here in the near future with uh, getting uh, everybody, our listeners, involved with uh, picking these fights. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot again to our uh, panel for joining us uh, to recap these fights. Greg Hopkins, Jeff Hobbs, and my co-host, Justin Watson. Uh, I'm your host, Tim Lloyd, and we're signing out for this week. We'll see you all next time. This is a Sitting Ringside with David Penzer Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week on City Ringside, ladies and gentlemen, the wild ride, as told by George Frankenstein, a.k.a. Gorgeous George. The way that I met Randy is just so crazy. The night that the night this happened, I had no money, and it was my first day dancing at this place. And it was a topless place, and I had never been topless. They tell me you have to wear a sequin gown for a thing they call uptime. So I got this stupid dress on. So I'm sitting at the bar, and there's a dude sitting next to me. I didn't even notice who he was. I wasn't even looking at him. There's there's Randy on one side. I didn't know who he, I didn't even look at him. And then there was this old dude on my other side. And then I'm next to this old guy was the ZZ Top people and the Almond Brothers. Like this whole bar was just full of famous people. I wasn't even paying attention. I didn't even give a shit what was going on. So anyways, this guy starts, he goes, buy me a drink. And he takes his elbow and hits me as hard as he can in my arm. I didn't know he was Evil Knievel. And when he did this, I said, you buy me a drink. Like, I was so mad. Like, he hurt me. As soon as I did that, this guy starts this huge fight with me. And so there was a, um, like, two bodyguards in, like, yellow shirts to say security on it. They grabbed me, pick me up, and throw me outside. Like, on my knees. Like, where I'm all scruffed up and everything. I'm, like, pouring and crying. I've got black, like, mascara all in on my face. And this big guy comes out. He's hey, girl, are you okay? And it's him. And I'm like, just get away from me. Just get away from me. Because I'm thinking, here comes some pervert coming out here to mess with me after I, this just happened to me. And I'm like, what do you want? And he's like, hey, hey, just chill out. I'm just trying to help you. I'm like, I don't want your help. Get away from me. And he's like, he goes, you know what you just did, right? And I'm like, no, I don't know. That guy's a weirdo. And he just hit me in my arm. They go, you know why they threw you out? And I said, no. He's like, that was evil Knievel.
and he's here all the time. He's regular. I said, how would I know who Evil Knievel would look like if he's not wearing that little white jumpsuit? <laughs> <laughs> Sitting ringside with David Penzer can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.